Hi everyone, I hope you're doing okay. Uh, this is a personal synthesis podcast and with me is the creator of personal synthesis, Dr. Nesh Popovic. Good afternoon, Nesh. How are you? Good afternoon, Bobby. I'm well. How are you? Very well. Uh, it's a little bit hot outside, but <laughs> I'm pretty well. I can imagine that you are not used to such high temperatures. Yeah, but more and more often we are getting this kind of temperatures. It's becoming more and more common. Yeah. Today we are talking about learning. Now, learning is so important and that is the way we grow mentally. But what I want to ask you, what I want to say, uh, first of all, uh, is uh, not every learning is the same. And there are different types of learning. Am I right? Uh, can yes. you tell us something about those types of learning? Yes, indeed. Uh, there are different types of learning. And very often you may hear that people talk about different learning styles. And sometimes my students come and say like, oh, I'm visual learner. I want to clarify, I'm not very keen on that because actually we are all visual learners. It's easier to remember things visually. You can do an experiment if you try to remember a list of things in statistics, in a quantitative research. This is very clear when you, uh, for example, if you have a data in numbers, we find very difficult to remember. However, if you see a graph, that image sticks into your mind. So what I'm trying to say here, that uh, this learning style that, that are popular, that circulate, they're actually not learning style specific to a particular individual. We are all capable of all of them, and they're all useful. They're all useful and necessary because they relate to different categories, different types of learning. So let me try to explain that in simple terms. First thing that we need to take into account that we learn not only information, but also we learn sometimes how to do certain things. And that's required different kind of learning. So right. it's much di different if you learn about uh, history, let's say, and if you learn to uh, ride a bike. No. Uh, also, the other important distinction is that we can learn directly in a way from ourselves or our own experiences, or we can learn indirectly from other people or from texts that you may find on the internet or in books and so on. So when you take into account all this, you can see that there are, in fact, four types, four categories of learning. Theoretical, practical, reflective, and intuitive. Anything uh, that you would like to ask at this point or... So, yeah, yeah, I would like to say that <laughs> when I read uh, these types of learning, I realized what is the easiest way for me to learn new things. So theoretical learning, I mean, something from the books, right? Reading something and you memorize those things, uh, am I right? Yes, but not only from books or from texts. It could be also audio learning from, let's say, lectures when you go to a school or university and teachers or lecturers give you a lecture, or you may listen 
to some talks on YouTube and so on. So uh, theoretical learning is not only about written materials. You can also learn from other people. Yeah, but for me, that was always the hardest way. For me, intuitive learning is always the best way. I found myself an <laughs> intuitive learner. Yes, yes. You're not alone in that. My point here is that this is probably the most appealing way of learning for everybody. Learning by trial and error. This is how we learn to ride a bike. Other people may help you to learn to ride the bike, but you have to jump on the bike and maybe fall off the bike a few times and learn to trial and error. This is what intuitive learning is. You kind of intuitively learn to ride a bike, not cognitively, not, not thinking. Yeah. And it's not surprising for most of us, for the vast majority of people, this is preferred way of learning because historically speaking, that's what is in our genes. Our ancestors and animals now, they don't have that capacity of theoretical learning. They don't have language. So they don't learn theoretically. This is very new way of learning. A very old way of learning that comes to us very naturally is that kind of intuitive learning. So the fact that you find it uh, easier and that you're more inclined to that kind of a learning is not a surprise. That applies to all people, all of us. All right. I didn't know that. You see, <laughs> I learned something very new. A lot of people think that they're very special because they prefer a certain kind of learning. But in fact, evolution can explain that. <laughs> Next thing is uh, practical learning. Now, right. uh, can you give me some example for our listeners so they can understand better? A practical learning is similar in some ways to intuitive learning because it's also about learning how to do something. So it's so-called kinesthetic learning. You learn kind of with your body. You're not just using your mind, but you learn various skills. You learn how to do things. One example would be driving a car. Oh, yeah. Really? So, yes. Practical learning, similar to intuitive learning, but it's different because we learn these things like driving a car indirectly. You may have to read some texts to learn about traffic signs and regulations and so on. And you may have an instructor who is helping you to learn. While riding a bicycle is intuitive learning because you need to get an app of how to do it yourself. Nobody can actually teach you how to keep the balance on the bike. You just need to try, try, try until it clicks. With riding a oh. car, it's something a little bit different. You really need to learn from somebody or from manuals the sequence of things that you need to do in order to start a car and so on. So there are some overlaps and similarities between these two types of learning, but there are differences too. What is really interesting for me, that for practical and intuitive learning, it is better if you think less in order to learn these things. So right. this, is, this is another very uh, interesting uh, quirk of our uh, mind. So when I was learning to drive, it wasn't easy. It was quite difficult because I tend to ask a, a lot of questions. I needed to understand everything. I needed to be very clear cognitively with everything. And at certain point, my driving instructor stopped me and said, Nash, you just need to think less. 
so I took that advice and then I realized, yeah, this is a different kind of learning than learning about psychology yeah. or, or, or physics or history or something like that. So that's about practical learning. Now, uh, I want to ask you about reflecting learning. This is, for me, the most intriguing way of learning. <laughs> that you like most. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Well, reflective le- learning is really, really important. In this case, we learn from ourselves. We learn from ourselves and our thinking. So this is when somebody tells you, okay, think about that. Let's say you may listen to a talk on YouTube. And after that, you start thinking about it and say, "Mm, this doesn't seem right. Well, maybe I would these things differently. I think about that differently. My experience doesn't completely fit with what that person was saying and so on. So this is reflective learning. You learn from yourself and your own experience. And again, it's not surprising that a lot of people like that because it appeals to your autonomy, appeals to your creativity, appeals to your own sense of individuality. You're trying yourself to figure out things and that is the most interesting, if I can say so. Absolutely. And I can't agree more. And I have to confess that this is my favorite type of learning too. So yesterday was a reading book on social justice and if the rich countries should pay poor countries in order to reduce the gap between the rich and poor. So help them financially and so on. And I was reading about various philosophical perspectives. And after finishing the chapter, I came to the conclusion, I disagree with all of these perspectives. (laughs) 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 And I had to come up with my own way that would be really helpful to reduce the gap between rich and poor. So kind of theoretical learning, reading that chapter, which is theoretical learning, actually triggered in me reflective reading. Learning through engaging with that text and uh, engaging my my thinking and reflection what i just read yeah that's why for me that is the most interesting thing because you form your own opinion yes and forming our own views and opinions what makes us unique individuals but i want to ask you something about theoretic learning you said this is not something that you were keen on and now it's very popular chat gtb and things like that and you may also say not not only that you're not keen on theoretical learning but you say what's the point of that i mean i can now find all the information in my mobile phone go on google and find everything i need there or I can even use ChatGTP to write an essay or write me a text on on particular topic. So why we still need theoretical learning? I can just rely on computers and those apps. What do you think on that? Do you think that ChatGTP will replace our need for theoretical learning? I wouldn't like that. I'm strongly against that. Because mm-hmm. as much as I don't like theoretical learning, for me, uh, theoretical learning is that uh, way uh, towards reflective learning. Mm, yes, indeed. Yes. Because you must know some things. If you say, oh, I'm going to ask Google, I'm going to ask chat, some chatbot 
how are you going to learn anything? I watched uh, a couple of days ago on Instagram, a man was offering 50 bucks, $50. If someone said to him, what is the capital of Canada? <laughs> About 50th person said Ottawa. Before that, most of them said Montreal, Toronto, and Quebec. That is, for me, as much as I love new digital stuff, I love uh, internet, but I'm afraid that people are starting to uh, lose interests and to lose a uh, way of thinking. Okay, so I want to play a devil's advocate here and ask you one thing. Why is it important to know what is the capital of Canada? If I really need that information, I can just look at my phone. So why do I need to know that? You need to know that. Why? I think that is a general knowledge, something uh, yeah. your neighboring country. <laughs> I think it's natural to know that. Okay, that is yeah. the banal example maybe, but we, uh, tomorrow you're going to find uh, many more uh, examples that are not so banal. Well, I agree actually with your conclusion. But again, I'm not sure that this example really leads to that conclusion because, as I said, it may have been normal and natural to know something like that in the past, but the world changed in a way. And that kind of brute information we carry in our pockets, a little phone in our pockets like have stored all this information and it's in the tip of my finger so I can get that as soon as I need it. So I'm not convinced that that kind of information is something that is hugely important to know. And also, I'm not sure that we will ever be able to compete with computers in this respect. Computers yeah, will uh... always know better and more pieces of what I call brute information than we do. However, we have a certain advantage over computers or apps. Not only present computers and apps, but the future ones will never be able to do something that we can do. And that's understanding. We understand things, chatbots and other programs and apps and IT. IT doesn't understand anything. It's just all about processing zeros and ones and input and output and so on. We can make connection. We can understand things. And that is what stimulates our thinking. And that is what is really important for our survival as species. Things that computers can't do, and we can. So, for example, it's not so important as far as I'm concerned to learn about a GDP of various countries and so on. But it's important to understand how economy works. It's important to understand what is really the difference between various economic models. Of course, you need to learn some information in order to be able to understand these things. But learning those pieces of information are means to an end to understand. And that's something I think that is the essence of our theoretical learning. Yeah, uh, I, I I agree. Okay, I think that ultimately we agree that it's really important not to give up on learning, even if we have those devices in our pockets and so on. I'm just suggesting that we can actually focus now 
more on, on those aspects of learning that uh, computers cannot provide us with. And yeah. that, that computers are really bad yeah. Yeah. about. Yeah. Uh, they, they just don't understand anything. And they yeah. don't, of course, having emotions and they, they cannot associate and so on. There are a lot of things now. There is a big hype about IT, but actually the scope of IT learning is very, very narrow. And yeah. it's it, it's unlikely that IT will ever uh, be able to bridge that gap unless they acquire soul or consciousness uh, and self-awareness or something like that, which we all agree that they're very far from that. Okay, yeah. let's now move on. I want to now say a few words about what you said at the beginning, that learning is important, the value of learning. And that, uh, I want to mention that it is so important that it's ingrained in us when babies are born, they start learning immediately. Nobody needs to make them learn, to force them to learn, to nudge them to learn. They start learning straight away and they love it. They love to learn to grasp objects or walk and, yeah. and all sorts of other things. Eventually start learning language spontaneously and so on. So we have that kind of love for learning from the beginning. But that love for learning is very often stunted and it's it's not anymore something that we prioritize or that we even like. And sometimes when we have to learn things, we, we find difficult to motivate ourselves. I would like in this session to ignite that love for learning that is natural, that is in all of us, but is somehow yeah. put on the back burner in many cases. And one practical exercise for igniting that learning is to use association. When you find yourself in a situation that you can't be bothered to, you need to learn something, but you can't be bothered, you're not motivated. One way to help yourself is to think and remember a situation when you enjoyed learning. No matter what it was, it maybe it was uh, enjoying um, swimming or cooking a, a new dish or reading something or learning uh, about um, extraterrestrials or whatever. But engaging with that curiosity, with th that natural desire to learn and expand your horizons. When you think about a situation in which you were engaged in this suspect, that should by associations, bring that feeling. And now you try to utilize that feeling to learn what you need to learn in the present situation. Yeah, thank you, Nash. That was very interesting. And I want to ask you, can you tell us some learning tips? Are there any easier ways for us to learn? Yes, and this is really important because uh, many people start learning and they give up. They give up simply because they, in a way, they don't know how to learn. So we have on the personal synthesis website in this uh, area uh, a number of tips that can really help you to make your learning more smooth and more enjoyable. I can mention some, a few of them here. For example, make a link between what you're learning and your own experience. It's much easier to understand and remember things if you make a link between what you already know or your own experience. So if you're learning, let's say, if you're in school and learning about physics, you can link physics to skateboarding. If you enjoy skateboarding or sailing or golf or anything else, you can think about the physics of skateboarding. 
and imagine examples when you learn about physics imagine examples of something that you you have done in life imagine what you're learning famously yeah. um einstein created the theory of relativity from imagining that he was riding a beam of light this was such a, a creative idea to think it that way, but his imagination really helped him to come up with those very novel theories and ideas uh, at that time, and so on and so on. There are many other tips on our website. Yeah, thank you. And I would like now to ask you something about retention. Mm -hmm. uh, why retention is important? Because my opinion that in one day we collect so much more information than our ancestors that may cause that we forget some important things. Yes, yes. Are there any way to save those? The biggest secret, the biggest tip I can give you in this respect is actually forgetting. Forgetting is crucial for remembering or retention. As you mentioned, we are exposed to enormous amount of information every day. Yeah. And uh, most of that information is completely useless. And you don't need that at all. But our brains are very complex and have an enormous number of uh, neurons or brain cells, but it's not unlimited. So the more you cram your brain with useless information, your brain is less capable to remember something that, that can be useful and that you really need to remember. So the no. trick is to forget things that don't matter. So I would suggest that you try and focus on deliberately putting out of your mind things that really, really don't matter yeah. in order to leave some room for things that do matter. That's one suggestion. Other suggestions is that retention is better if information is related to personal experience or if it is meaningful. So if you can make links with new information and what you already know or with your personal experience of, of some kind, it's much easier to remember things. Also, of course, it's much easier to remember things that are meaningful. This is why it's so difficult to remember a page from a, a telephone a book, because information there, they're just listing numbers and people and names of people. It's very difficult to remember because there is no meaning in that. It's meaningless. There is no connection between these names and numbers. However, if you take a page from, let's say, a novel, a work of fiction, you may have the same amount of information, same amount of letters or symbols on that page, but it's much easier to remember because there is a narrative that is meaningful, and because it's meaningful, we find it easier to remember. Feelings and sensations have the deepest impact on memory, then images, and then finally abstractions or symbols. That's why it's so much easier to remember something that is presented in a visual form, but even easier if something that is linked to our emotions or sensations. I'll give you a trick if you need to do some written exams. While you're learning, use some scent, a uh, smell of something. It doesn't, it could be a perfume or anything, anything that you, you want. 
but something that you are not going to use in any other situation. Sensation that you would not be experiencing in other situations except when you're learning. Now, use that same scent at your exam and your attention will improve about 10%. That's what the research shows. Really? I, I didn't know that. <laughs> That's, <laughs> very interesting thing. That's a very interesting thing. Yeah. And the last thing that I want to mention about that is um, the context. A long time ago, uh, decades ago, there was an experiment where they asked people to learn a poem while diving, while being at the bottom of the, whatever it was, um, sea or maybe swimming pool. I, I, I can't remember exactly what was that. And they asked them to recall that poem later. What they found, that they would recall the poem much better if they found themselves underwater again than when they are up on the surface. So... <laughs> I don't suggest that you should go to the bottom of the sea in order to remember something, but just be aware that if you learn something in particular space, let's say in um, in your office, it would be easier to recall that information in the, in the same context, in the same room, than elsewhere. No. Okay, yeah. so again, as in previous case, for more tips, please visit our website. Before we finish, I just want to also mention that we have some mnemonic techniques, which are uh, techniques that can help you remember things that are usually difficult to remember. We still, as I mentioned before, we have a lot of information we can find in mobile phones and so on. But sometimes you do want to remember certain facts or, or some numbers or uh, names of people and so on. It would be very awkward that when somebody say, oh, hey, John, how are you? And you need to take a picture and look in your mobile phone in order to figure out what the name of that person is. So on our website, we have a number of tricks, if you like, that can help you remember such things. So you mentioned the capital of Canada. If you want to remember something like that, you can use associations. For example, let's change the country. Do you know what the capital of Australia is? Yeah, of course. Canberra. Excellent. Okay. As with Canada, most of people get it wrong. An easy way to remember, and all listeners will never forget that when you hear what I'm going to say now. They will remember forever what is the capital of Australia. Just imagine, we are all familiar with Camembert, Camembert cheese. Yeah. Uh, just imagine the map of Australia and piece of cheese on top of the map. Uh, and, and you will remember forever that Canberra is capital of Australia. As I said, there are many other tips that can help you remember such things on our website. We would be very grateful if you give us a rating or if you have any comments or any questions, please contact us and we promise that we'll respond to any comments or questions that you may have in the subsequent um, episodes of Personal Synthesis podcast. Thank you, Nesh. And uh, I want to remind our listeners that this and many more topics they can find at personalsynthesis.com, our website. Thank you, Bobby. See you soon. Take care. Bye. Yeah.